Hey Rewatchers, Keith here. We just wanted to thank everybody. We just found out that we were nominated for a Philadelphia Geek Award by Geekadelphia. So we want to thank everybody that has stuck with us on this journey for the past year and supported the podcast and all our efforts to bring Highlander to new fans and old fans alike. So we're just really honored to be considered for this award and uh, we want to thank everybody out there. So on to the show. Mr. McLeod, you do turn up in unexpected places. I was thinking the same about you. Out getting some fresh air? Religiously. I've heard it's so good for one's health. Even with a vampire on the loose? <laughs> Doesn't the thought give you goosebumps? Do you know I am almost starting to believe in it myself? I think this belongs to you. <laughs> so it does. Where did you find that? In the room where they found Baines's body. Oh dear. You found me out. How many have you killed now to get Belair? Oh, does it really matter? Brilliant, wasn't it? Jackham created the hysteria out of his own guilt at robbing that church in Transylvania. I merely made his worst fears come true. <laughs> and now the whole city's talking about me, the vampire. <laughs> It's Highlander, surf party, down on the beach, it's summertime, but probably not when this airs, because it's October already. Oh my god. Uh, so welcome to the fever dream that is Highlander Rewatch. The fourth hour of fifth, sixth hour Close of our recording. Ah! Yeah, it's going to get weird. I'm one of your rewatchers, Kyle. This is Eamon. Keith is here too. That's right. It's How to Rewatch, the podcast where each and every week we talk about another weird and wild and wonderful part of the Highlander universe. And sometimes Keith does whatever he's doing right now for reasons. And today we're talking about the vampire. The vampire. I'm a vampire. You know that Nicolas Cage <laughs> movie? There's some Nicolas Cage movie, I never see it, where he either is a vampire or thinks he's a vampire. And there's a scene where he's just running down the street screaming, I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! We should put that on Facebook. That's really good. I'm, un I'm unaware of that one. Yeah, look it up. I think it's called Vampire's Kiss. So, before we hop into this episode, we got some reader mail, and this, uh, we've got two emails here, and this bo these both pertain to the episode Under Color of Authority. First email is from... Our man, Zacko, writing in again. Hey, guys, some thoughts on the episode. I think this could have been an all-time great episode if they didn't handle the Laurie-Ritchie plot so poorly. Ritchie was just so stupid the entire time. So stupid. <laughs> you mentioned that it sort of portrayed Mako as fallen almost in the present time. I read this more of him being out of place in today's society. There's still law, but there's much less emphasis on the law than there was in the past. Perhaps he's become jaded with the modern world. It used to be acceptable to bring in your target no matter what. At the end, I feel Duncan was so disappointed in Richie because he feels he failed him. Yes, he was letting Richie make his own choices, but was hoping his training in philosophy would have made into Richie's thick, hormone-filled mind. You could even see Richie immediately regret his decision right before the quickening hit. What you don't do is kill out of hand. I agree. Mike played Mako extremely well. It's always fun to see lawful neutral being pr portrayed believably. <laughs> um, oh, and the nice. way Duncan's alignment talk and the way Duncan's principles both agreed with and clashed with Mako was interesting to see. And it also says Mako appearances, bounty hunter companion in the Old Republic, and shitty inflatable vehicles in Mass Effect One. What are the, the well? These are video game references, Kyle. Are these That's things called Makos. There are Makos in Mass Effect. It's like this weird tank thing you drive around, and it's like the worst minigame in Mass Effect. So we got a and lot what of... Was the, what was the other one? The other one was a bounty hunter companion in The Old Republic. <laughs> so Jill writes, gentlemen, you're always fun to listen to. And 
she weighs in on color of authority to say, at the end, when Richie took Mako's head, the expression on his face was what Duncan was staring at, and it was terrifying. It was murder and rage. Since we know about Duncan's history, much of which is still to be revealed, it makes sense to me that he was appalled. Mako did stab Richie in the stomach. If he hadn't, just maybe, well, it was probably too late. Mako's final words were, Remember, McLeod, all that separates us from the beast is the law. This is a person whose last words were not about himself or his own aggrandizement. Or perhaps they were, since he had earlier declared himself to be the law. <laughs> we're all agreed that Richie was in the wrong on so many levels in taking his head. I thought that Mako must have felt some sympathy for Richie for not being able to save Laura, even though he tried. Thanks, everybody, for writing in. <laughs> all right, so this week we are tackling Season 2, Episode 16, The Vampire, originally aired March 7th, 1994. This episode was directed by Dennis Barry. He's back. Eye for an Eye, Return of Amanda, Nowhere to Run. Uh, some good stuff. Um, he's also the director on the new uh, Mata Hari miniseries that I think either just did or is airing this year. How neat. Hmm. But that's also notable because it stars Christopher Lambert. Double, double Highlander connection. Exactly. Wow. He also directed... We're going to have to post a clip of this. I was really checking it out. I'm loving it. Uh, he directed a show called Adventure Inc. Is it Adventure Incorporated? Yeah, it's Incorporated. <laughs> is it an S-Corp? <laughs> uh, the, the logo, it looks like it's a combination between like Indiana Jones... Like, it's got that kind of yellow-orange, like, classic-looking background. And, like, the Mission Impossible font. So, and it's it's literally... It doesn't have a bomb underneath <laughs> The description on IMDb is awesome. It's, when adventure calls, no place is too far, no risk too high, and no task too difficult for the ultimate adventure company. <laughs> From his base in the Florida Keys, Judson Cross has assembled a team of young... Judson Cross? <laughs> has on. assembled a team of young renegades, each with his own extraordinary skills and willing to risk it all for the love of adventure. Their methods may not be orthodox, they may risk their own safety, but they always get the job done. And this show looks like a pile of dog shit. It looks <laughs> awful. For some reason, when you... The way you hit the word orthodox on that, I thought you were going to say, but their religion is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> their method is happy orthodox. Well, their method name, of worship. Like, Judson Cross. Cross. <laughs> Maybe that's why I was primed for yeah. it. <laughs> so if you want to check out what some Highlander alum have been up to, that's definitely one to check out. And we'll post a link to the YouTube episodes because they're all available for free because no one wants to watch it. <laughs> uh, this episode was written by Jean-Vincent Fournier. Except he wrote it as J.P. Couture. Couture. Um, he wrote two more episodes, <laughs> The Lamb and Mythos. The oh. Lamb Before Time. Yep. <laughs> um, he hasn't it's done a, a sharp tooth. <laughs> <laughs> and the guest stairs. Guest stairs. The guest stairs. Uh, an escalator. Um, sorry. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> the guest stars in this episode are Jeremy Brudenale. Brudenell, Brudnell, Brudnell, Brudnell. I'm like making it all French. Grundle, Grundle, Grendel, Grendel. As mother, Nikki Ward, and he's also in like another episode of Highlander. Uh, he's in the episode Till Death as Robert, who's like one of the main. I, why did they put like I get like is, B and C characters showing up again? Is Robert another immortal, or is he? Just I think he is a dude. Wow. Yeah, huh. it's weird. This guy should have been David Bowie. But he hasn't done anything since the 1999 like TV miniseries Alice in Wonderland, Ooh, which I vaguely good. recall watching on TV. Is um, short in that? Is he short in it? Martin Short. Is he in that? <laughs> I think he might be. No, but Jeremy Glick is in it. <laughs> Jiminy uh, Glick? Jiminy Glick, Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy Irons Glick. <laughs> since I guess he's retired from acting, he owns like a garden center uh, in England. It looks pretty nice. Totally good. Yep. This episode also stars Dennis Lill as Alan Baines, and he played the cartoonist Bob in the 1989 movie Batman. Oh. Who has very, like, not the character Bob, not the Joker's assistant, like, Bob, gone. The, gun. Guy, the guy that does the Batman drawing and right. says Bob Kane in the corner. Right, and yeah. all he really does is just hand it to, like, Knox. Yeah. He's like, here's yeah. this cartoon, ha ha ha. That's... What this guy's from. Also, he's done a whole shit ton of other stuff, but I don't care about any of it except Batman. <laughs> You're full of shit, Knox. <laughs> also, you Bob quote me on that. <laughs> Bob Kane could have never drawn the picture that he hands Knox in that movie. <laughs> Bob Kane is a very weak cartoonist. Ooh, <laughs> burn. Yeah. I love Batman. Full disclosure, I love Batman, but Bob Kane has a dubious history. 
before we jump into this episode, it's time for the I am. We need like a theme song for the IMDb episode description. description. Oh, we might already have it now. IMDb episode description. It needs to, the, the theme song needs to be more confusing. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> Sorry. All right. IMDb episode description time. A friend of Duncan's is murdered in his pool. <laughs> After his wake. In Duncan's pool or his own pool? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> After his wake, Duncan notices an immortal named Nicholas Ward, who had once killed several people Duncan knew. Arranging his victims to look like a vampire was responsible. <laughs> You've been arranged. I don't, how does these episode descriptions, like one is so detailed. It's like a whole paragraph that gives beat by beat the episode. It? And this is it. Oh, wow. This is someone dies, then Duncan. Th- this description is someone dies in a pool, which may be his own or Duncan's, <laughs> and then it continues, and then Duncan sees someone that did other things, and that's it. Like yeah. <laughs> these two events are not related. <laughs> so the episode opens, in fact, on a pool, and the kind of a large, hairy man is swimming laps in this pool. New opening credits. New opening credits. Yep. No more Charlie. You're fucking out. Oh, Char- oh Charlie. Michelle Modo replaces he does yeah Yeah. Mm. maurice maurice so we open on a pool sorry cal yeah we open on a pool a large hairy man is swimming laps when all of a sudden he looks up and sees somebody who just savagely holds his head underwater yep it's brutal looking and then it cuts to the same pool but it's like i thought it was a party but it's a wake or whatever this is confusing like i think it's supposed it's supposed to show like the passage of time yeah but it's unclear I think the way it's shot, like... I thought it was a different pool. Maybe I'm an idiot. But I was like, is this the same pool or a different pool? Well, the way they, like, pan up is, like, someone's feet are going up the stairs. And I'm like, yeah. oh, is that well, the person that... Weird glass ceiling Yeah. Above them? Yeah. It just... It doesn't read that well. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> Metaphorically. Oh, also, they do funky, weird opening credits things, like they did in The Darkness. Like, it says, like, the vampire, and then it oh, goes, like, red. it gets red. red and spooky. Oh, I was spooked. Yeah. I'm spooked right now just thinking about it. <laughs> anyway, so we follow the camera. It is actually kind of a cool shot. Yeah, we yeah. follow uh, someone going up the stairs, and, like, but the camera doesn't follow them. It stays stationary, but you can still see what's going on because you're looking through kind of a glass glass ceiling up at the second floor of this beautiful mansion. The dead man is Barry Piper, who is a record executive. Right. And this Bar- is how... Barry Body Piper. <laughs> <laughs> and this is how, uh, I guess, cool people die. Like, they have a cool party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, it seems very chic. This is like a chic wake. Like, this is not like a somber... I imagine people are doing cocaine in the bathroom. Oh, they're totally doing cocaine. <laughs> in the bathroom. This thing's like a rager. They're and doing come- cocaine off the corpse. Yeah. We come to find out that he was a record exec. Yeah. Right. And he loved scouting for talent and checking all this stuff out. He was quite the man about town. So Mac is there. He's friends with them? He's friends. Yeah. I, I like kind of concocting some sort of backstory for this. Like, how does Mac know? I don't know. He's a mover and shaker. Yeah, music I guess so. Yeah. He's a master of bagpipe music. <laughs> <laughs> they needed a backpipe backing track. and <laughs> Maybe he danced in this guy's music guy. videos. We know Adrian Paul did that. Oh, is he in Rio? Yeah. yeah. He's in Rio? Isn't he? I don't think so. Oh. What is he in? I don't know. He's in some Sheena Easton thing. I don't know. We'll maybe post Is it a Sheena Easton one? Yeah, they like, they like Mac it in that. It's weird. What's the music video you showed us with Adrian Paul like dancing in the background? Oh, you're right. That's another... That is a Duran Duran video. It's got lots of like red curtains and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Rio. Okay. That's like on a beach. Also, Russell McKay directed that video. So anyway, I guess we cut to like later at the wake, and this woman is playing on the piano yeah. or something. Yeah, who's he, his daughter? They they pointed out he had to be buried next to Van Morrison, so he'd have someone to party with in heaven. Ugh, what a barf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, I guess this guy's other friend Peter is there, who we yeah. maybe find out later is his brother or something. Yeah, he gets pretty. He ties one on pretty hard. Yeah, so yeah. he's gonna sleep on the couch. Yeah, but Matt closes out this party. He parties till dawn. Yeah. Um, but goes out and he gets the buzz. That's right. And he goes to explore these like crazy sewer tunnel things, like these aqueducts sort of things. Whatever these things are, it's like these crazy low overpasses that yeah. like Adrian Paul can barely clear. I, I have a feeling like these things flood during yeah. weird high tide or as like a way to divert water, like when the river floods or something. Yeah looks cool it's awesome it's it's a great shot and you just kind of see a a figure off in the distance Mm -hmm. and mac gets this flashback to all of a sudden victorian england and you just see him squaring off with another 
Where's the weird thing is it's not Victorian England. Oh, it's Victorian Paris. It's 1840, yeah. according to the Watcher Chronicles. Yeah. That, that confused me. We can talk about that later. Absolutely. Then it flashes back, and it's... They talk, right? Mac and Nikki Ward? No. Well, oh, in the flashback, yeah. It's like, what? Like, you appear in unlikely places. And it's like, you do too, or something. And then it just cuts back. And Mac calls out into the distance, like, Ward, is that you? And they, the person bolts. Yeah. And so then Mac follows him and he sees somebody around the corner and decks them in the face <laughs> and lo it is joe joe yep. dawson so joe dawson is lurking around these creepy tunnels <laughs> following nicholas ward yeah presumably we, right we, we, we come to find out so we get a flashback it cuts this weird pantomime of a vampire of like preying on a peasant woman right they're in like a bar or something and mac is having a like business meeting with like two stuffy stereotypical they seem like englishmen yeah but are they i don't know oh yeah good question everyone's british but they're supposed to be in paris right yeah Yeah, like literally everyone involved is supposed to be english it feels very british this whole thing feels i don't know why it's in paris it's like weird they put on like fake accents for every other scene like appropriate to the setting weird yeah are we wrong? Like, it very clearly seemed to say that they were in Paris. Yeah. 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 yeah no, yeah. It's supposed to be Paris. Yep. Yeah. Why not England? Especially because it has, like, I think this episode has a very, like, Jack the Ripper feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. It completely, like, that's clear what they're channeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is great, by the way. So, Mac is there. This is a side of Mac we don't see very often. But he's looking to make a large investment into, like, an import-export company. That's right. That is being run by these two older gentlemen who he's with. I think that's a cool, like, insight into, like, how he can make money long-term. Yeah, and also there's a big joke. He's like, I assure you, gentlemen, all my investments are long-term. Right. Yeah. And it's like, all right, yeah. There's a really funny bit of dialogue. This this reminds me, like, when Mac explains the shit on the, like, in the Maritime Museum. Like, the, the, the two business guys are like, oh, like, what do you think of our company? And then Mac's response is literally, like describing he describes it he's like yeah. oh well you import things you produce them and then you export finished product it's like wh- what do you exp- like they know <laughs> what they fucking do like well, i think he was proving that he knew what they did how how wouldn't he know like they want to invest with this guy and like no one ever thought like oh by the way we do this like it's like i don't know this seems so silly <laughs> no he was proving that he was thorough he's like you it's wanna- not this isn't thorough you are exporting and importing is that about right he, he, That's knew, it. <laughs> he knew the markets that they import and export from and to. I don't know. It's before the internet. He couldn't fucking Google it. I agree that it's like a weird general thing. But it's it so fun. general. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels like they were like, we got to put something in there. And it's like, as a placeholder, very generic thing. Yeah. Export, import, go. <laughs> perhaps more interestingly like there's a string of perhaps, vampire but, murders in paris right now perhaps phenomenally we talk about int- we talk five minutes about the export import business yeah <laughs> that's uh, very good why does anyone listen to this <laughs> we talked about gold prices for like five minutes <laughs> I mean, that's what our, that's what the listeners come for. They come for the Highlander. They stay for the gold ore analysis. Oh, and there's a series of vampire murders in Paris at this time. Anyway, <laughs> so this is this business is structured as a partnership. Yeah. Um, uh, let's talk about investing. So, <laughs> yeah. what kind of yield you getting on this thing, Mac? Oh boy. So anyway, whatever. The one guy leaves, right? And then Max so stays to get a drink. The, so the, the whole debate starts because one of the two partners is very afraid and concerned about these vampire attacks mm-hmm. that have supposedly been going on around the streets. And they've and, claimed one of their other partners already. Yes. Right. One of the partners is dead. That's who Mac is replacing. Right. Yes. Yeah. The other partner thinks it's all a load of hooey. And Mac Hogwash. just... Yeah. Mac just kind of deflects and is like, eh, let's talk business. Right. Down to business. Business. Uh, so the one guy excuses As, himself for the evening. Paris, because I wrote the quote, there's a vampire stalking the streets of Paris. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is the quote. So I don't think we were wrong. Yep. Uh, so the one partner who believes in the vampires excuses himself, correct? Um, or is it the one that no, doesn't? doesn't Man that doesn't. Yes. Yeah. So he excuses himself. Mac and the other partner decide to stay and have a drink. And at uh, this time, Mac gets the spidey sense. Yes, he gets the spidey sense, and then he hears there's a scream outside. Mm-hmm. So Mac rushes downstairs out into the streets, and this uh, potential business partner is dead in the streets there. So Mac gives chase and notices a man with a kind of distinctive cane 
as this guy looks like he's about to like hop up and like jump over. He's gonna like bridge. jump over the bridge, right? And someone who's with them, I don't know. I who. think it's yeah. like a police officer well, or somebody just, has a pistol. A gentleman nearby pulls out like a tiny little like derringer, yeah. like the little garter guns, and and plugs them. He hits them from very far away with yeah. a very a tiny, tiny gun. probably yeah. inaccurate gun. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure woefully inaccurate gun. The guy falls into the river, and they head. They circle back to the dead body. So uh, the kind of detective Baines is there. He's yeah. the guy from Batman, mm-hmm. uh, and he's basically facial the... hair is the most insane thing yeah. you will see <laughs> in a very long time. Like it's kind of like the Ambrose Burnside kind of thing, but even a little crazier. Where like his mustache doesn't ever even really connect to a beard and the mustache just goes straight up to his bald head it's bonkers so this guy is kind of the scientist vampire hunter he's kind of like the van wilder of uh yes the van, van wilder, wilder. <laughs> it was a joke good. very right. good <laughs> the van helsing of abraham this van wilder <laughs> uh so he believes this is the work of and a he's vampire. kind of like feeding into this hysteria. He's yeah. like pointing to all the evidence in hand quotes right. and seeing like, see, this is a vampire. And, and he, he gets two a marks thread. Yeah, he has two marks on his neck, neck and he pulls a thread out of this guy's hands, which he takes in for evidence, which yeah. will come into play later. He's like, he's so pale and where's all the blood? <laughs> right. Blah. Where's the blood? <laughs> blue, blue. So we are now, we cut to the uh, the other investor's house. I forget this guy's name. Henry. Henry! Henry! So he is kind of confessing to why he thinks this vampire action is all happening. So they He, fund- gets, he gets good and drunk and just <laughs> decides to unburden himself on his new business partner. Yeah. And he, his tale is they went on a business trip to Transylvania <laughs> to get artifacts. And then he's like... And end up just robbing a church. Yeah, yeah. We ransacked a church and desecrated, like, the cemetery. Yeah. It's that bad news, guys. Stop it. He's a grave robber. They're literally grave robbers. So they took a coffin that was like very ornate and probably worth a lot of money. And the next day it was like, like it was gone or it was open and it vanished. Yeah. Yeah. And Max responds, then someone stole it. (laughs) But this man is convinced that like he has unleashed this vampire on the world and it is like after them for vengeance. Right. And then we get the buzz. buzz. And who do we meet? We meet Nicholas Ward. Nicky Ward. What's little, he about? Little Nicky Ward. So he just looks like a blonde baby. <laughs> he looks like a large, inflated, pale baby. <laughs> like his hair's really flesh colored and it's very unsettling. This like blonde eyebrows are weird. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it just looks like he's got like a face that's like fuzzy. Yeah, <laughs> he's very not. not Nicky Ward is very non-threatening. Yeah, yeah, it's very odd. He's like smarmy, and it's kind of like it works, but it's very weird. Yeah, he's he's foppish. He's like dandyish. Yeah, he looks like a palette swap in a fighting game. That's what I thought he looked like. <laughs> he's like, oh, this is the white version of Blanca. Yeah, let's. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. That's excellent. Uh, and he's he's with Henry's daughter, Juliet. Yeah, yeah and he is their legal counsel. Yeah. We yes. we glossed and over the vampire hunters here too, and Henry's like in right. cahoots with him. Yeah, whatever. he has in fact hired the vampire hunter to protect him. Yeah, Mank is very dismissive of this vampire hunter guy too. Yeah, yeah, for good reason. Well, because I guess he's got kind of the inside skinny, and in that he thinks it's clearly an immortal. Right. 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 Uh, also. The woman, Juliet, she is, of course, French and dubbed. And, like, it's really terrible. It's, like, breathy and weird. And I don't yeah. like it. Yeah, I'm not sure what the, <sighs> the deal here is. But everyone else has a great British accent, so that's great. Uh, and Matt compliments his sword as well, or his uh, cane. He says, oh, you have a very unusual cane. Right. And, of course, I think the implication here is it's unusual because it perhaps contains a sword. Perhaps. Ooh. So pink-faced little Nicky... <laughs> is is there and he's being very smarmy yeah. about this whole thing like they talk about the idea of a vampire and he's like oh it's very scary but the idea of living forever mm, absurd don't you think ah, absurd. <laughs> this guy plays smarmy very well this yeah is like the smarmiest performance i've ever seen <laughs> yeah he was like like a spill of human cooking oil <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't just go for regular oil because he's too blonde and like almost albino looking. Yeah. <laughs> like a peanut oil? Yeah. Canola. Little canola. Little rapeseed oil. <laughs> hey, canola. So Mac and Baines end up having a, a long conversation as Baines is going to go do some vampire hunting. Right. 
He hands uh, Henry some like holy water and a cross, and he's like, "Oh, these work on vampires. It's a fact of history, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a fact of history." <laughs> yeah, like, and then, of course, uh, Nicky Ward like shows up and gets all this shit like thrown in his face. Yeah, we can oh, throw yeah. some holy water on him, and he's very upset because he just got these clothes from London or something, and they're I guess fancy pants. My fancy pants are covered in blessed water. <laughs> but then he murders this guy straight up. Yeah, and then uses these giant, insane, like, beetle mandible things. Yeah. <laughs> That's what creates the, the holes the in the neck yeah. that look like a vampire, and he, like, sucks blood out. Where is it. he putting this blood? Like, do we think, like, when he runs away. Does like, he have a tube that, yeah. like, connects to In his pants. Like, I'm imagining when he killed the first guy, like, in the street, like, him just running away down the street, like, slosh, 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 <laughs> as he has sacks of blood, blood. like, on his hip. Yeah, is it, like, a suction thing? It looks like a slingshot, but without, like... The sling. It's just a wrist rocket. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Rewatchers. This episode is brought to you by the Highlander 30th Anniversary Gathering Convention in Lakeland, Florida, December 3rd and 4th. So make sure to head over to LashConEvents.com. That's L-A-S-H-C-O-N Events.com to pick up your tickets today. All your favorite Highlander personalities going to be there. Christopher Lambert, Adrian Paul, Elizabeth Grayson, and most importantly, your Rewatchers. That's we'll right. be there. We will be there. We want to see you there, too. Yep. We're going to have a booth uh, right in front there. And uh, we're going to be doing some live podcasting interviews. We can't wait to meet you and talk to you in person. Also, other exciting guests are F. Braun McAsh. He's the Swordmaster uh, from the third season on in Highlander. And there's going to be a sword experience there as well. Absolutely. Uh, so make sure to sign up for the sword experience and get your tickets for the Highlander 30th Anniversary Gathering. So we are back in the present. And yeah. Mac and Joe are talking. We should note, it dissolves in blood. Oh, yeah. Get back <laughs> to the oh, it, like, drips down the screen like James, James Bond. Bond. Yeah. yeah. Well, he knows that this guy is a serial killer, and he systematically, as we're going to find out as this mystery develops, Ward systematically kills people so that he can basically marry into money. So he systematically will kill everyone who might stand in his way of inheriting something of value when he marries someone. So we are now at Helen's house in the present. And who's there? Nikki well, she's Ward. swimming laps and Nikki Ward's there mm-hmm. wearing a f- dumb, dumb outfit. What is this vest thing? <laughs> he has leather that? pants on and a snakeskin vest. He looks like a character from The Matrix. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Like one of those people that be in that club, or one of the yeah. like the hackers when they show up to Neo's house and they all look like yeah douchebags. There's one he specifically looks like whose name I forget. Mm. <laughs> uh, are we the, the the woman who wears like all white? Yeah, <laughs> what's her like, name? That's that is who he looks like. It's like is it Switch or it's yeah yeah yeah? yeah. Switch. <laughs> it's only Switch. Switch. She's the one that goes not like this, not <laughs> right. like this, not like this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in so yeah. long. That's wonderful. Little Nikki Switch. So they're bumping uglies. They have a, a thing going on. She gets out of the pool and they're like talking about being bad. Yeah, and she's like, it's ball and chain time because they're going to get hitched. hitched. Yeah. The switch hitch. Too sweet. They're actually just going to see the seminal Will Smith movie, Hitch. <laughs> seminal. <laughs> it's seminal work. Yeah. Uh, and they say after tomorrow, it's death to us part. And he says really omin- <laughs> ominously, I wouldn't have it any other way. And it's like, isn't that a red flag? <laughs> he like, might as well, after he said that, gone bum, bum, bum. Yeah. <laughs> like in her ear. And he's like boring his eyes into her. Like, just like, oh my God. Goo. Yeah, so they really tried to make him like cool. Is he cool? Like, this, well, he's not he's cool. He's supposed to be a musician, right? Who yeah, he's like, like a producer, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he, like, scouts out groups and stuff. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is his new shtick. Right. Yeah. He just seems like a sleazeball. <laughs> well, he seems like Euro club trash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah? He looks like he belongs on the set of Basic Instinct. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a flashback again, and Mac is meeting Nikki Ward. He knows this is Ward from Jump. There's no doubt in his mind. And he's like, oh, I sensed an immortal at the crime scene, and I saw somebody who looks like you running away. What a coincidence. Right. In and the dark, all cats are gray. Yeah, I like that line. That was, that was a good line. <laughs> uh, so I guess you know, the people are investigating this new murder, 
and I guess Juliet comes out and she proposes to Nicholas. Well, or not she exactly. just like, announces. He's, Mac, ver- Mac is like on to the idea, right. That like this was him. Why did he do it? And he's already he's already tugging on the thread right. that he's connected to the daughter in some way. Maybe that's why he stands to benefit. And Ward overplays his hand. He's like, yeah. "What on earth would I have to benefit? We're just friends." <laughs> and then the very next thing that happens yeah. is she comes in and says, "We're getting but the married." The good news is we're getting married. And it's like, "Aren't you happy for us?" And Duncan's like thrilled or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Don't. Yeah, so like, <laughs> basically just goes. Mm. Yeah. So Max decides he's going to try to find some proof to get Nikki. So he visits his old pal Baines. Right. Oh, so while they're visiting, uh, Nikki Ward points out his cashmere cloak. Right. Yes. It's a very nice cashmere cloak he has. So when he vis- Mac visits Baines next, and Baines is looking at some cloth these these fibers that he's retrieved from the murder scenes. Duncan has brought with him. A fiber that he's taken, I guess, secretly from Nicky Ward's coat. And Baines is on is hip to this scheme. He already thinks it's Ward. Yeah, he thinks right. it, he thinks it's Ward, but also that Ward is a vampire. <laughs> yeah, which also I like. I don't know how much time is supposed to have passed at this point. I imagine Nicholas Ward has been walking around during the daytime this entire time. Because oh, yeah. right. you know he has to conduct the business of being a lawyer for an existing business. Night lawyer. Kind of, that's kind of a daytime <laughs> operation. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So I don't know why this guy's so convinced that Nikki Ward is also a lawyer. Right. Or a lawyer. A vampire. We were wrong about Paris. This episode actually takes place in Alaska. <laughs> that's why he doesn't know. It's only yeah. the sun's only out a couple hours a day, this time of year. He sparkles. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's just Twilight rules. Yeah. He looks like he could be in Twilight. Oh, he's totally a Twilight fan. <laughs> uh, so, Mac heads back to Juliet's house. This guy's face is so punchable. <laughs> I know. Like, I think that's perfect for this character. I would love yeah. to punch Nicky Ward yeah. so hard. <laughs> it's like, he seems like he's like the villain in like an 80s high school movie. Like, he's the prep school guy who comes and teases you in like yeah. a sweater that's tied around his shoulders. <laughs> he also kind of re- resembles the henchwoman in... Uh... Beverly Hills Cop 2 or no Bad Boys 2 Bad Boys <laughs> yeah so Max got the proof now he heads to Juliet's house to let her know he's that got a very bad plan here yeah he's just gonna what is he gonna do just tell her he's just like I'm just spilling the beans right I'm just, just gonna, gonna say tell her. Yeah. Your, the, your fiance murdered a bunch of people I know you just met me but me and she, and she, she has a good retort yeah. and she's like well it could just be you too like you have just as much to gain from this weird business partnership now yeah, yeah. You, you're the one who wants in on this so bad. Right. Though, who knows what the status of this thing is now that all three of them are dead. <laughs> right. I guess she's already in charge. Yeah. Of everything. yeah. So, back at Bane's hotel room, I guess. So, Mac is left. He's now alone. Uh, and Ward shows up. And Bane's gets the drop on him. Yep. This is one of the most brutal things that <laughs> happens in this entire show. This is savage. Yeah. It's fucked. So, Bane's, like, clubs him in the head and... Ward falls on the bed kind of unconscious temporarily. He squirts some holy water on him. Right. And he gets a stake out and stakes Nicky Ward through the heart. Yeah, just... With a ha- he's got a hat. It's brutal. It's and the sounds, seven. it's like all it's crunching. crunching yeah. and, like, <laughs> and like, this is also another immortal regeneration question. I don't yeah. know what having a thing still actively through your heart it's does It's big. Do. It's like three inches wide. Yeah. yeah. Just this gaping hole. But yeah, Ward has the strength to reach up and he... Well, we know he's a very old immortal, right? I believe. We find out at some point later that he says he's much older than McLeod. Right. I missed that. Yeah. But, Maybe but, that's why. Yeah. So anyway, Baines, having done a, a good job dispatching this vampire, kind of walks away. Yeah, like, just like, all right, which I've done. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Nikki Ward gets back up. And then, of course, Baines is all like, oh, what? Yeah. And then we get some like good... The, this dialogue is amazing. He's like... That really wasn't very nice, Baines. Hardly sporting, old chap. I hope you get my point. point. <laughs> and then stabs him. This just reminded Stakes me... Takes him back again yeah, with yeah, the hammer. Back. <laughs> yeah. uh, this reminded me again of like Jim Backus or uh, the guy from... Uh, what, what's, uh, what was it called? Um, Nowhere to Run. I mean, we're guys, but really. Make me a martini. Don't you get my point. This voice he does is like... I mean, I insufferable. know we're both guys. <laughs> we're guys. I mean, we're both vampires, but really, going out in the day. Please come to my garden center. <laughs> what? 
He's a garden center now. Oh, good. Nice, honest line of work. <laughs> yeah. I just like to be on my own with nature. I need a screwball. <laughs> so we now cut back to what is effectively the opening kind of interstitial scene where Mac flashed back to a confrontation with Nicholas Ward. We are now in that moment. Mm-hmm. And Mac has kind of solved the, solved the case. Right. He knows it's Ward. He found a pin that belonged to Ward at the scene where he just brutally dispatched Baines. Yeah. And it's time to get down to business. And Ward just says, it was all in good fun, chop. <laughs> I, on the other hand, marry for money. And they uh, fight. This is awesome. First off, their yeah. costumes, if we have not discussed yeah, this, this the is costuming awesome. in this entire episode yeah. is incredible. Is just over-the-top great. Yep. Mac is wearing one of those crazy Victorian like cloak things that kind of has a mantle built into it. I don't even know how to describe it. He's wearing a top hat with amazing mutton chops. Yep. It's great. It's awesome. Yeah, the whole episode's like at night, and yeah. there's lots of fog everywhere. And Good also, mood. what yeah. percentage of this episode is in the past, do you think? 90? Yeah. There's, yeah. there's 85? Yeah. 85% yeah. easy. This is the first yeah. time they've done that, which is like... We also had the, the German flashback episode. Uh... Oh, Return of Amanda? Yeah. That was, that was like a 50-50, maybe? Yeah. And yeah. should have been like an... 85-15. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is great. This is good. Because the whole story is being told in the past, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's where most of the action is. And that's why he knows he's got to catch Ward. Right. Is not so much because of what he's discovered now, but because of this pre-existing mystery he solved. Right. But their fight is interrupted. It's a good fight. Yeah, they're moving around. He's got like a fencing sword. And like Ward very clearly gets the advantage in this fight scene. Like he stabs Mac in the shoulder. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like an old cab driver comes by pulling a carriage, and Ward hops in. Yep, and that splits it up. So then we're back in the present, and Joe finally has some details on some killings. So I guess there's some prep school students that have all been killed. There's three murders, I guess, that have happened so far. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they used to be prep school students. Well, yeah, I'm sorry, yes. Former roommates at prep school, yeah. right? Yeah, that were all like a boarding school in... Switzerland or something? Yeah, including the music producer. Yeah. What was this about? Le Rosé. I did not quite understand what this prep school connection was. Yeah, I don't don't get how it connected to the the music business. I think this is Nicky Ward trying to cover his tracks. Like, Mm. instead of just killing the, the person at the beginning of the episode, and then we find out Peter... Is again like his cousin or brother? I think it's I think his it's, brother. I think it's his brother. His it's like brother. The same deal as in the past, where like he killed all the partners, right? So that his future wife inherited the entire would inherit the entire business. So I think he's trying to divert attention. Like these people aren't being killed for this business. These murders are all some weird serial killer that's school related. Like that they're not going to put it together that he would be involved because right. it's yeah. So he's he's killing extra people to cover his tracks. Oh, I Got get it. That makes I sense. Think about that. Because I was sitting yeah. there looking for a connection, couldn't find one. Yeah, and that's what makes the most sense. So Mac finds out her dad. I forget the daughter's name in the present. Elaine. Elaine Piper. Her dad went to the same school as Peter. Right. So then Mac calls Peter and he doesn't answer. Right. Well, so. we well first he goes to the municipal building because he finds out that Elaine is going to marry Nikki they were, Ward. They got the marriage license or scheduled to be in or whatever. The, right. The so he pulls the same like delivery man shtick. It's, a, it's the same thing. Bad receptionist. Bad receptionist. So, so. I imagine that's like a public record thing, but yeah. I don't rightly know. I don't know. So he's like, oh, I, I need to talk to my brother. He's going to marry maybe the wrong woman. I just want to make sure, blah, blah, blah. How does he know? He's a, he admits that he like doesn't know her name. And it's like, how do you know that it – then why are you so concerned about this person? Well, I think he name? says he's concerned because – He says he doesn't Ward know. is his brother. Right. And that he has – he's marrying some woman, but he wants to make sure or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the reason the secretary is so willing to give him this <laughs> info is <laughs> she says that like, oh, like – my brother or like married a cow or something it's like awful it's It's like oh man hey man she's like i get it so they're getting married tomorrow yeah so that's how mac gets her address and finds out that peter is in the crosshairs so he goes to peter's house but nikki ward has killed him already right he finds out from helen that peter's also gone to this school which puts him in the crosshairs to get murdered or whatever. And I, again, this is, I guess why I was confused. Like, is he in the crosshairs because he went to the school or because he's also involved in the thing? I think because he's involved in the business. He is involved because they're, they're partners. It's his brother. He might stand to get a chunk of this thing. So he needs to eliminate him. Right. So Mac gets in the car and he's racing to get there. 
And this clip has the weirdest editing. Like they put Queen music in Duncan's car, which is weird. It's like the weird like guitar riff. Yeah, it's not featured from, in the opening yeah. credits. That's from Princes of the Universe. But it, the way it's like cut together is like uh, it's w- really jarring. It's like it's like it's ugly. Like it's it like doesn't sound right. Yeah. 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 At one point, I just hear, when he's in the car, I just hear, bring on the girls. <laughs> yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, I'm like, what? And that whole interstitial bit of, or like that whole bridge of Prince of the Universe, it's like, not great. It's like, weird. It's, it feels very tacked on. Yeah. Which it probably was for the album, I'm going to assume. Like, they probably recorded the theme for the movie, but it wasn't like a full track. So they were like, we need to make it a like album length, like a three-minute song that yeah, actually so has an ending. Yeah, so let's riff on this. Yeah. So Mac, you know, Nikki Mac gets away. Bust up in the house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> P- uh, Peter's been choked with the phone cord by oh. Nikki. Oh, my. And the and the, the, the face that Nikki <laughs> Ward makes, he's like, his face is like shaking. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's like, got the, he's like, he, he like has the meat sweats. <laughs> it's, like, it's insane. It's, it's, it's jarring. It kept me up. Yeah. It's the stuff of nightmares. It is. It really is. There's a little chase. Nikki Ward jumps out the window. He's still wearing the dumb leather pants and stupid vest. Yeah. Dope. <laughs> uh, so he runs off and escapes. Uh, later, Mac meets Joe outside, I guess, Elaine's apartment or loft or whatever it is. They, have yeah. a, they bond over some coffee. Yeah. Mac, Mac brought him coffee. Mac figured out how to make coffee. Yeah. <laughs> he brought it. But then Mac, a thermos. Is, Mac um, is arrested. Well, so Joe wants to go to the police. And, and this, we got to play this, this clip because so it's good. really funny. Uh, and this is why Mac does not want to go to the police. Why don't you just tell her? Tell her what? That he's an immortal who once pretended to be a vampire and he's killed her father and her uncle. Besides, she can't go to the police because I'm going to cut his head off. <laughs> uh, man, that's amazing. Yep. Also, cold-blooded Duncan. <laughs> I like that we actually see him learn a lesson because in the flashback, he was pre- presented with the exact same situation. He made one decision. And he realized it blew up in his face, and he played it wrong. And now older and wiser, he's realizing, no, I just... Murder is the solution. I just gotta go straight to murder. Violence (laughs) is the answer. Uh, So his plan is to follow Helen to see where... Like, she'll lead him to to Ward. But then the police show up? Yeah. He's a weird beat. So I guess Nikki Ward has called the police on Duncan... Saying he matched the description of the serial killer, which but, how do they have a description? Good question. I, yeah, I don't understand. Who knows? But yeah, the I, whole idea is to like hold him up yeah. for what seems like ten minutes. Like, like he isn't next, held up at no. all. The like, very next cut, he's out. Like yeah. whatever happened, we don't get to see. I mean, I don't understand how it related to anything. I mean, I guess it could still be a couple hours later, but it doesn't like, matter. It just was totally irrelevant. Yeah, because yeah. he's not really late. Yeah, no. it doesn't interfere with anything in any way, and yeah. Mac does nothing <laughs> to escape it. Yeah, so I just. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's just a big question mark. So we're at the municipal building. And what is Ward wearing now? It's all white, right? He's he's having his white wedding. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a nice day for a white, white wedding. wedding. I'm having a white wedding. <laughs> Everyone's invited to the party. Yes. It's a nice day to start again. <laughs> and he is starting again. Starting, starting to murder start, again. Yeah. <laughs> Mac, I guess, has spun some tale to Elaine that, like, him and Nikki know each other. Yeah, they, were, they were buds. Buds in the past. So she gets all excited when she sees Mac. She's like, oh, he's our witness. Like, isn't that nice? And Ward's yeah. like, bah, boy. I gotta take care of this. <laughs> he does. He's like, boy, this is a drag. Really, uh, McLeod, how's a guy supposed to make a living? <laughs> so he's like, we gotta talk about some shit. So they leave, and he uses some excuse, like, we bring baggage to relationships, like, Max mine. Yeah. But he didn't just bring his baggage to this wedding. He brought his sword uh, yeah, I guess yeah. to this wedding. It's yeah. his dress sword. Yeah. His and also, not sword. getting married on holy ground, that seems like an error. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, probably yeah. Should, probably should have made that call when you, know, when you know your rival through time is trying to hold you to task for all the murders you've committed. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's another thing. Mac just got arrested, and now he's showing up at a government building taking Nikki Ward away with, like, lots of witnesses to kill Nikki Ward. Yeah, for the express so, purpose. Yeah. He's the last person that is being seen with Nikki Ward. That's really true. And he was just arrested. So for like, being, at, for, like, stalking out front of her apartment, I think they say. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like... Like, he's directly connected to her. And then and Nikki then Ward disappears. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, Mac, what's, like... <laughs> the entire police element... Needed to again not be here. Yeah, because yeah. how? Wh- and it also served no purpose. Yep. Nope. Yeah, it's wacky. I wonder if there was like a whack attack. <laughs> whack attack. <laughs> but that being said, we get a pretty cool fight scene out of it. Yeah, we get an awesome fight scene. Awesome. 
So they head to like an abandoned racetrack or something yeah. like that. It does look like a. It's definitely like the. It's maybe not seats. abandoned, but it's like a little old racetrack. Yeah, it's yeah awesome. the seating looks abandoned, but like the track itself is very nicely maintained. Yeah. This is a really cool fight. It is. It looks dangerous. Like they are yeah. climbing up and down these steps that are like pretty large, like stadium steps. I kept worrying that someone was like going to trip and fall. Yeah. Well, at some yeah. point, they go diving off the top of this yeah. thing. Oh, and land on their feet, feet. like cats. That was, yeah, I was like, "What the heck is this?" Like, I thought yeah. they were. I like oh, my note just says crunch. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this? So they fight. Nikki kind of gets the upper hand, and when he makes like he, he's full of all these quips. So he's like, "When I'm good, I'm real." Whoa! I'm like shaking. I'm a ghost. When I'm good, I'm really good. But when I'm bad. I'm great, baby. <laughs> so he goes for like the killing stroke, and Matt kind of uses the same move he used on Grayson. Yeah. yeah, like Duncan's like down for the count, and like facing the the other way. Uh, other way, it's very odd. It's unclear how like the momentum reversal happens, but just Duncan just wins. Yeah, Duncan yeah. wins. He like uh, it's pretty brutal. He like slices him across his middle, and then like, then, like slices, slices him up. Yeah, yeah, he really lays into him. Yeah. yeah, and then we get some more quips, which is good because Duncan's like not that great. He's and like, Ward's like, every mom like duck Friday. Yeah. So that one was groan-inducing. I was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> And off with his head. So uh, this is a cool fucking quickening because yeah. there's a bunch of – Like, I like the – what made, makes this quickening cool? Like, paper. Paper, yeah. <laughs> paper, yeah. <laughs> it's like just Duncan. paper flying. It's like, oh, this is rad. Duncan's doing these weird, like, hand motions with the swords and mumbling to himself. And he has this, like, kind of – self-satisfied kind of creepy grin on his face that's the nicky ward seeping into his pores yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna take a while to wash that yeah, off yeah quickening draper meet quickening paper <laughs> <laughs> at one point he i swear he tries to cut one of the pieces of paper like with his sword <laughs> during the quickening. that's funny yeah Are you ready for the classic gauntlet gloves? <laughs> what? <laughs> In the Middle Ages, if you wanted to challenge someone to a duel, you remo- you merely removed one of your gauntlet gloves and cast it on the ground. If the challenger picked it up, the duel was on. Hence the phrase, throw down the gauntlet. For an immortal, the gauntlet goes down on a weekly basis. That's why we felt there's no more appropriate set of gloves for the Highlander loyalist than these. Crafted of meticulously stitched, velvety soft leather in the classic forearm length and traditional flared cuff styling. The glove features a modern snap closure adjustable strap. Ideal for meeting the challenge of a cold winter day, a long country drive, or if you're so inclined, tossing at the feet of an opponent. Men's sizes small, medium, large, and extra large. How much do you think gauntlet gloves will cost you? Do these say Highlander on them? Or are they just gloves? <laughs> they are just gloves! <laughs> <laughs> what do they look like? Can you show us this picture? Yeah. Like, is this some sort of, like, Renaissance style? Oh, okay, so they're just leather gloves with, like, a, with a big... with, like that completely flares out at the end. Huh. Okay. okay. How, how much would you pay for these classic gauntlet gloves? They're probably like $45. I'm going to say... Is it real leather? It said... It claims to be. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say $70. Whoa. 99 Yeah. It's just a pair of leather gloves. Uh, I mean, they seem like... I guess they're cool and unique, right? I, I guess. Oh, man, who's buying they're this unique, stuff? They're unique, but not, I don't know if they're cool. <laughs> um, they definitely are not. <laughs> And they don't say Highlander. Nothing about them says Highlander. Except that in the picture, they're next to a sword that says McLeod. They're just adjacent to it. Adjacent? Do you get the That's sword so for weird. free if you buy the gloves? Who bought those? Maybe like, how, how, much, did you, how much other shit did you have to buy from this catalog before you were like, I'll get the unbranded Highlander gloves? Yeah. And also, the people that put that in the catalog, like... It's like, oh, we can do these gloves. They're kind of expensive. It'll cost even more to put Highlander on it. And they're like, fuck it. Put it in there. Somebody yeah. will buy it. Like, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> then we're back outside Helen's place, and Mac is meeting with Joe, and I guess he's just leaving telling her what happened. I, course, de- I decapitated your fiance. <laughs> <laughs> and drank his soul. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the real vampire. Yeah, I drank everything he was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess he made up a story that he had some past life 
that was the baggage and shit, and he had responsibility. He had to go take care of that. Basically, he had like secret a secret family. That secret family. <laughs> She's heartbroken, obviously, but not murdered. So that's, that's a, a plus. plus. Plus for anyone. It's what any young lady dreams of on her wedding day. <laughs> Not to be murdered. <laughs> it's a very low bar. A very low bar. So then Joe and Mac have some nice... They are becoming friends. Like, like the, the dynamic Somehow. from yeah. all the episodes leading up to this point to let's get a drink and we're friends is very yeah. drastic to me. I feel like they must have made like a strategic change here of like yeah. what they trajectory of they what they wanted this relationship to be strategic well, i think they always wanted them to be friends but i think they were just like we got to make them friends like, like let's just get it's, there. we have to do it this i mean this feeds into what we talked about on, during unholy alliance the episodes that immediately preceded this in that one joe really does seem to betray mac in a pretty palpable way so it's very strange to see them buddy buddy next week yeah as opposed to like if they became buddy buddy and then that betrayal happened whoo That'd be that's some good TV right there. Yeah. yeah. Here, let's hear from uh, producer Bill Panzer about this episode before we talk about the uh, like our wrap up and whatnots. This was a Dennis Berry episode. Dennis, in addition to the sweeping camera shots and sex, also thought that violence should be pushed to the very limits of a television sensibility. So to help him out, the wonderful opening sequence, uh, we added a little blood optically. It was a special effect in the pool. When the, the guy gets the stake <laughs> driven into his chest, we got in a little bit of trouble with that and had to tone down the sound effects. Otherwise, the French and the Germans Toned were not down. going it's to so run It's the still pretty intense. This is the first time that we kind of played around with a sense of the supernatural. I mean, the idea of vampires and the idea of immortals, you know, they're not that different. And we kind of fooled around in that gray area and, and enjoyed doing it. This show has a fairly high percentage of flashback to present day footage. Like 80-20. <laughs> one of the joys of Paris is like that ground beef. You know, Paris is a flashback for some period. <laughs> Ken Gord and Dennis had a huge disagreement about the quickening, the final fight scene and the quickening. Dennis maintained that you cannot have an acceptable quickening during the day, there was absolutely no way you could do it. Get those flower pots. He was at a loss yeah. to what to do. <laughs> Ken found uh, this abandoned racetrack called the Hippodrome. Oh, it was abandoned. That's a great name. And just told Dennis eventually that, okay, Let's Dennis, I'm the producer, show. and I win. You're going to shoot it during the day. We're not staying up all night to do this. Jeremy Brundle could fight. He was one of the best guys we ever had because most English stage actors are trained in sword fighting. And having that big exterior space and he being athletic as well as adrian we they really got to tear up the scenery if we ever have a doubt that duncan mcleod is a real hero a larger than life character the kind of character you can only have in a movie it's the end of the fight here the bad guy smart mouthing him adrian turns it around says that you are not good enough to take me and then the bad guy being kind of a little campy gets to come back with a little funny line as Adrian whacks his head off. And at the end, in order to make his quickening a little better, which I it's thought solid. was pretty good, Dennis, somewhere at the racetrack, found 10,000 old tout sheets. And those are the there? pieces of paper that are flying around the, uh, around the racetrack. You know, this is the beginning of Dennis's paper period. You'll see another quickening where he also used a lot of <laughs> That's funny. This and, you know, the episode's a little campy for us, and, uh, but it was, we, we thought it was fun. I, well, I, it's kind of crazy that they found that, those papers. It's like, that was not, out. like, imagine that without the paper. It, it kind of would have been, been, meh. It would have been that interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, the papers really give some pizzazz. A razzmatazz. <laughs> Make it rain. A good episode. It was a great episode. Yeah. I love the interaction between the past and present action. The idea behind the entire thing is brilliant. Mm-hmm. That like a an immortal is kind of masquerading and playing on fears and preying on mortals' perceptions of the eternal. Yeah, which I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. The fact that it has a really satisfying resolution when yeah. like he finally takes this guy down. I don't know. I was. Really, very pleased with this episode. I think it's one of the highlights of the season, definitely. Really good bad guy. Really good yeah. atmosphere. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, the style in this episode kind of trumps any shortfallings it might have, I think. Oh, easily. Yeah. And it's so brutal, too. Like, that staking scene is intense. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like just the crunching of ribs involved. Like, yowza. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one weird thing, I, like, Joe's involvement in this episode is, eh, again... Unnecessary? It's, it's like, I guess, just a sounding board for Duncan needs to tell this... Like, is that the idea? Duncan is telling Joe the flashback story. Is that I, the idea? A, and he feeds him the Swiss... The Switzerland school t- connection. No, I which guess ends so. up not paying off that much. Yeah. yeah. Joe's just so but, in this so little, and I, I don't know. Re- I think he's really in it so they can start building the buddy cop yeah. components of this. And that's I'm fine with that. Yeah. Like, he didn't need to do a, a lot of heavy lifting here. Yeah. And I just love that this sets a precedent that you can have these all past episodes, for the most part, with very little connection to the present. And that's dynamite. Yeah. I have a weird theory about this episode. If you've listened to our live show, you may have heard my Hugh Fitzcairn theory that he's oh. named Hugh because he was the singer of the band The Who. Mm-hmm. Is the genesis of the Council of Nicky Ward just the line in Jurassic Park where the only ones on my side is the blood-sucking lawyer? No. <laughs> lawyer jokes. Lawyers. So let's talk a little bit about Nicky Ward's Watcher Chronicle. Ooh. Little Nicky Ward. Little Nicky Ward. He was born in 1489 in London, England. First death was in 1525. He was hanged for a series of murders in South London. Yikes. This is what his entry says. There were probably easier ways for Nicholas Ward to get the things he wanted in life rather than going on his repeated killing binges, but it wouldn't have been half as much fun. Whoa. (laughs) Like, that just sounds like it's written by a psycho. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm into this. This is great. This is a lot of fun. (laughs) Style and appearance were everything to Ward. Flashiness always won out over substance. Probably why he felt so at home in the rock and roll world in the modern day. Sick burn. So why just... Take that rock and roll. (laughs) Uh, So why just bump someone off when you can design a hysteria, choreograph a circumstance, and produce a little melodrama? Whether he was creating victims of the plague in the 17th century, wild dogs in the 18th, vampires in the 19th, or serial killers today, the path to his final goal was always more important than than actually achieving it. Ward may have been evil, but he was evil with a flair. This is a Watcher Chronicle with a flair. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. This Watcher is. They all, a- have, they all have a deplorable excess of flair. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, that Watcher has to be a nutcase. God's chosen, God's nut- chosen <laughs> nutcase. <laughs> oh, oh, man. That's good shit. All right, so we got to do a couple things. Let's play a game, guys. Oh, it's back. Absolutely. Games. So we're going to play a game that we played a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're back to the IMDb keyword game. Oh, great. Do I have a chance at winning this one? Oh, good. You've played this one before. You won the last one. Oh, I did win this one. Yeah. I was thinking of the what clip is it from game. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So the rules of the game for everybody. It's, uh, I'm going to read the IMDb keywords. Um, they are listed in reverse relevance order, I suppose. So the, the most relevant keyword would be worth the least points. Exactly. So, and you guys can shout out whenever you guess the episode. Are you guys ready? Mm. All right. Who's up? Oh, it's no, it's together. Together. All right, guys, and play along at home, everybody. What episode is this? Flashback. 1920s. 1950s. African American. Oh. Segregation. Uh, oh, what's it called? Run for your life. De- yes. Eamon gets five points. Five points. Run for your life. And the other clues were desegregation, civil rights movement, racism, and the number one keyword for this episode is Louisiana. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yep. Weird. Yeah, it is. Guys, I don't make the rules. You do make the rules. I do make the rules. You just don't make the keys. You literally made the rules (laughs) to this game. All right. Round two. A possible six points. Buckle up. Is that a clue? Yep. Ready? Here we go, 1920s, labor dispute, miners' strike. Zone. Strike. It's the zone. The zone for three points. Uh, The other clues were Pennsylvania and Pinkerton agent. (laughs) So none of those were related to the zone part of the episode. No, they weren't. Just a short flashback. Shantytown. Zoot suit. uh, (laughs) Amen has five points. Kyle has three points. This one's for all the marbles. For a possible eight points. Nailbiter. I want somebody to get on the first one. Flashback. <laughs> 1880s. Old West. Collar. color of authority. authority. Nope. Epidemic. Oh. 1930s. Oh, God. 
studies in light. Yes. Shit. The other clues were Shit. female photographer. Oh. And the number one keyword in this episode, old age. <laughs> <laughs> So that brings the grand total. Kyle has a total of six points. Eamon ah. has a total of five. You just eke that one out. It's close. Hey, guys. Uh, every week we learn some lessons from our uh, faithful hero in a segment we like to call... You want to know by now. You want to know by now. What have we learned from... The Mac today. Yeah, Mac Attack. The lessons we learned from Duncan McLeod. I learned when you want to cut off somebody's fiance's head, you should just probably not interact with that person. <laughs> it's probably better just not to talk to them. I've learned that you shouldn't cosplay as a Matrix character on your wedding day. <laughs> <laughs> just, on your, just on your wedding, wedding day. day. Yep. Any other time? time go nuts. Okay. Go okay. nuts. Yeah, treat that day with respect. <laughs> not like this. <laughs> We should do this more often. often. Uh, Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And uh, make sure to join us next week for another exciting episode. We will be talking about Warmonger. I've been one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Amy. Rewatchers, if you want to support the Highlander Rewatch podcast, we encourage you to visit our Patreon and GoFundMe page. We are at Taking Highlander Rewatched on the Road, and we are going to be headed to the Highlander 30th Anniversary Convention in Lakeland, Florida this December, and we need your help to get there. Oh, we've got some great rewards for your contributions to our podcast, and uh, we can't wait to bring everybody out there some really exciting content right from the ground floor at the convention live. 